On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, I am joined by Neil Lumsden for the brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting. We're talking about the new Omicron variant. Who thinks up that name? Um, Omicron variant. We're talking about what Amazon knows about you, about gun control, about football players, about athletes, oh, even about pillow fighting. You stick around, you'll understand why. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We like to do a little thing on Friday called the brightest conversation in Hamilton radio. That's what we like to, uh, to offer here on this show. And, um, to do that, we bring in people who can, um, who can offer bright conversation. And I got to tell you tonight's guest, uh, no problem with that. When you consider all the things that he has done from being a college football star to a pro football star and multi-time gray cup champion to uh, a guy who uh, ran a team to a guy who's run the World Cycling Championship, to a guy who's run a sports department for a major university in this country, to a guy who's been a contestant on Amazing Race Canada, to a guy who has produced a son who's been a CFL star and an Olympic star, um, to a man who's been a businessman, a marketer. I'm not entirely sure what I've left out. I'm sure there are some things. Uh, His name is Neil Lumsden, who joins us now. Neil, how are you tonight? Just a minute. I have to catch my breath after all your talking. No kidding. You have to. Your business card must have an extra fold-out page just to get all that stuff in there. I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it's all. Hey, Scott. I've said this to you before, and I'll say it again. It's all about the people you're around. So it's, yeah, uh, I've been very lucky. Well, you're you're. It's good thing too that we now have everything digital because you're the guy whose resume would hit the desk with a thump rather than just a couple of pieces of paper falling down on it. You know the one thing though, Neil. I bet you've never done. And I came across this this week and I'm thinking, it, it, you know, you're not an old man. There's still time, but this is probably something maybe a little more for someone in their 20s. There is now a new form of mixed martial arts that has taken, I'm making, I'm not making this up. This is absolutely true. There is a new mixed martial art that is finding legs somewhere. National, a world pillow fight championships. Well, can you, can you put oranges in your pillows? They, well, they say there's not, they're not fluffy, feathery pillows. These are specially designed. So I don't know if that means you put, you know, ball bearings in there to clobber the other person or, or what it means. But this, the the organizer says, you know, people like mixed martial arts. They like watching the UFC. They just don't like watching people bleed and get hurt and hit hard. So we can give them all the violence without the consequence. Yeah, I, that's very interesting. I, I've been on the occasional uh, pillow fight years ago. Uh, was that during team. the Edmonton Eskimos years on the Grey Cup teams? No, before that in private, <laughs> my private school days. Um, <laughs> you try to beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, especially, you know, when you had a fe- the old feather pillows, uh, you can bunch them up at the end and it's not quite like having a bag of oranges, but you mm. can, you can snap a guy's head pretty good. But, um, I don't think I'll be tuning into that on TSN anytime soon. No, see, I was picturing you, you know, just clobbering Warren Moon during a team party one time, <laughs> you know, just for fun. Why not? Uh, no, but I've seen a guy in uh, the Tarcat days when we won the Great Cup in Vancouver, a player that will go uh, nameless, a wonderful guy, um, tackled the Christmas tree in the conference room. We had an after party. It was very interesting. <laughs> Uh, he this won. was the Christmas tree did not win. He did. And I can remember somebody looking at me going, oh, are you? I said, come on. We just won the great cup. Nothing, nothing's wrong today. The, I, I'm guessing that that person had been sampling some champagne from the mug prior to doing that. Oh, buddy. Uh, there was, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful group of people, uh, players, staff, and it wasn't a large staff, but I'll tell you what. When I think back, when I look at now the staffs that are in pro sports, including the CFL, and the group of people that we had that did a like unbelievable amount of work uh, for the based on the number of people, and still having the success that uh, you know, I thank my lucky stars. We made good choices on the people that mm-hmm. were in that on that staff at the tire cuts at the time. Uh, let me go back to this pillow fighting just for one second here, only because I'm so fascinated by the idea, because first of all, when I first heard this, I had to look up the website because when I first heard this, like many people probably right now are thinking, my thought was, oh, I get it. This is going to be, you know, the Hollywood version, um, you know, young, really good looking girls in scanty lingerie having a sleepover pillow. No, no. These are like. 
these are buff, buffed up, muscular, big guys who are pounding the absolute crap out of each other. And again, I don't know how much a pillow these days can really hurt. Um, you know, I'm not sure that I agree with the organizer that, you know, people don't want to see the violence. I think this could be pretty violent. Well, I think people do like to see violence because they don't like certainly participate in it. And these days, nothing surprises me. I mean, you know, based on everything that's going on in the world, I, I must admit I get disappointed when I, when I hear certain things. But from an activity to what goes on in TikTok, to, now, I mean, it's, it's incredible. So I just, uh, it's mm. best just to roll with it, brother. You know, this is the, this is the alternative to the other thing that has just come back and we're not going to be talking about violence and fighting all night, I don't think, but, um, uh, bare knuckle fighting is also back now. So, you know, you you have your choice. You can go full on bare knuckle, old school, 1800s, uh, you know, fight to the death kind of thing, or you can have pillow fights. I, I, each to their own, I suppose. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see which one catches more traction. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, you probably heard today uh, what's been going on. Um, serious issue in the world. We're not making any jokes about this one, except for the name. The name is stupid, let's be honest. Omicron, the new variant for the virus, for the coronavirus. Omicron, yeah. As everyone all day has been saying, it sounds like some transformer or some villain from a superhero movie. Omicron. I mean, they had how many different Greek letters of the alphabet? You could have gone with... Lambda or Kappa or Iota or Eta or any Omicron. Now, let me bring Neil Lumsden back in here. Uh, Neil, uh, look, this is a really incredibly serious, serious situation right now. I can't believe they found the one name that they had to know was going to become a joke, which doesn't make any sense, first of all. But, you know, why wouldn't you, I guess, right? Um, But what I don't get about this, uh, Neil, is it appears... So the Canadian government has announced that they've, or at least given us the impression, they've kind of halfway learned a lesson. They have said that because this is originating from South Africa, that if you've been to South Africa, Mozambique, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, Eswatini, or Namibia in the past two weeks, you cannot come into Canada. But if you've been in other regions around there, as long as you have a test done somewhere before you come, you're allowed. Why, having seen what happened last time, when we first started this whole thing, when they were so reluctant to close the borders because variety of reasons, why would we not at this point just say, look, for the next month, nobody who has been in Africa, period, can come to Canada. We're closing the borders to try and keep ourselves safe. Why not just go the extra mile and try and do the most you can? Well, you know, it's, 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 you know, everyone has these conversations about COVID-19 in general, about, and then hearing the news and reading what either they're doing in the U.S. or in, in, the, in specific states or in Canada. And, you know, the, this has been such a difficult thing to deal with because you're never going to make everybody happy and everything changes so quickly. But I'm, I'm a little bit like you, with, if, if in fact that's what you believe and you're not just saying it, that when you... When you want to stop the spread of something, take all measures possible, especially at the level of severity we're at here, and say, look, I'm sorry, but no matter where you're from there, you're not coming in. A test is not, a rapid test to me is just not good enough to allow someone to come in when there's another variant and, and the, the downside could be so massive. Yes. So I, I don't... You know, it's okay if you're not, if I don't, if I don't agree with you. This isn't about getting consensus. This is about doing the right thing. And um, I just, uh, you know, I shake my head and then worry about everyone I know because you don't know who's going to be allowed to come into the country and where they're going to be. So, um the consequences, Neil, of not doing this right, because, you know, we've been working for a year and a half, almost getting close on two almost years two now years. to yeah. deal with this. The conse- if, if this variant is as devastating as we're hearing that it is, the consequences of being gentle and coming up with the least, um, the, the solution that requires the least we could be right. Theoretically, we could be right back to where we started with everything oh. locked down again and everything else. Absolutely. And, and it, that 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 to me is unacceptable. 
that that's just an unacceptable position to go back to. Yeah, I agree. But you know, when you're talking about the the whole thing now, not and we we broaden our perspective of how people have responded. You know, in Canada, for the most part, it's been very positive with respect to getting vaccinations and doing the right things to protect yourself. I get a kick out of it. I'm sure this will rub people the wrong way, but you know, it's you know, it comes down to those that feel they have their own rights above anybody else's and they don't think about other people it's all about them and you know you can't tell me to get a shot uh, at the same time i can tell you to get a passport i can tell you to get a driver's license i can tell you you can't drink and drive without i mean you're getting told a lot of things by government fall in line and do the right thing and i don't mind i guess maybe it's because of a sport background scott but i i don't mind hard line and, and saying hey look you can't do this. Okay, fair enough. I won't. And I'll and I would if I do. Uh, there are consequences, severe, not just oh that's too bad. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the scenario, and um, it just blows me away. I mean, I just again. Well, yeah. Look, not, go we're back. Not trying to make friends here. We're trying to keep people alive. Go back to the beginning of this thing, and it, people will remember when this it when when the first cases that we became aware of were originating in China to come to Canada. We were told that closing the border to flights from China was racist, and 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 the argument wasn't if you're Chinese you can't come here. It's if you've been in China, no matter what background you are. It's not about you. It's about we don't want you bringing it into this country, and that quickly changed where we did start saying we're going to close borders or stop flights from certain places or whatever else. Cause we learned and what the government is saying now seems like they've halfway learned this because they're saying certain countries are not allowed to, to come here. Now we're going to stop people who have been in those countries. I just don't know why we don't just go right across the board and say, look for, for four weeks, whatever it is, you're not coming because we're not taking the risk. I just, the half measure thing is what just drives me nuts because someone is going to come from some other place that has this. And then all of a sudden it's going to be a disaster. And we're going to say, why did we not do more to prevent it from coming here? Look, look back now. I know New Zealand is a very different scenario because it's an Island and they can control things a little better and they don't have an open border, but New Zealand was lauded for months because they said, nobody's coming in. We're not allowing it to come in. And everyone said, that was really smart. Why would we not learn from that? Well, it's, it's interesting because um, I, I really think, and, I, and I've heard people say this in, in many situations over the years, that should we trust politicians? Are they doing things for the right reason? Or are they doing things for the reasons that are right for them and still make it look like they're doing it for the good of the people. And and that's where, you know, the skeptics out there get my attention when you when you hear someone say, well, yeah, we look what we you know, we may piss a lot of people off. Let's just let's just do a sort of a half measure thing. That means that from a government's perspective, they won't get all over us and, and we'll still be seen as doing something, but we won't make people mad at us. Like honestly I mean, if, if in fact that comes into a conversation in any way, shape, or form when it comes to the well-being and health of people in this country, then we really need to examine why we put people in office because it, it, it that's, to me, disgraceful. Uh, I, I, and, and, but, yeah, and, I, and honestly, Scott, I don't, I, I'm not pointing my fingers at people, but I am, when you, when you lay it out the way you have and you see the half measures that we take in a a very, very volatile situation. I think, come on. Like you're put you're put in power for a reason. It's okay. Make the tough decision. If people aren't gonna like it, too bad. If it's the right thing to do, do it. And we don't see enough of that. And it if we if we end crazy. up with if we end up with this Omnicron in the country, and you know, chances are we will. But if we end up with this Omicron in the country and it can be traced to someone who came through that we oh. could have prevented them from getting here. But, and when I say prevented, again, I'm not saying that 
we're telling people who you are African, therefore you cannot come. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm no, saying no, if you've been to Africa, but that gets confused. I'm not saying if you are African, you're not welcome. I'm saying if you are white, black, if you are whatever, if you've been to that area, that's the concern about being there, not who you are. If we could have stopped that from coming here and a half measure allowed it, and in a month, Neil, we're talking about now going back into lockdowns or whatever else. Uh, I think the this the government who makes this decision is going to be, I think they should be held entirely responsible because it looks like, uh, I think there was a way they could take stronger measures. And it, look, and if it turns out in the end that it doesn't come here, then we applaud them and we say, you know what, you did the right thing. But I'm I'm always concerned about the half measure. Yeah, me too. And and you know, it's to me, it's in part uh, again self interest. The self interest comes into it. My position, my job, my I got to make sure. Like, it, there's just not there's not enough great leadership anymore where people are willing to take the heat and do the right thing. And you're right. This isn't about your where you were born. This isn't about your color, your skin. This is about taking care of. This is about thinking about all people of all races, and no matter where you are, to try to stop them from getting sick. And if it's as, and if and if it pisses people off that can't commit, sorry, too bad. Uh, really, it's too bad. We're worried Look, about we... 35 million people, not a few hundred that want to fly in here that uh, were in Africa on a vacation or were there on business. Sorry, the way it goes. If, if Wayne Gretzky is down in South Africa right now playing golf... I say Wayne Gretzky can't come back to Canada right now or, or in any of those countries around there. I'm sorry. I don't care who it is. Oh, I agree. Anyway, we, we got to love to hear from you. Not you, Neil. I've heard from you, although I'm happy to hear continuing hearing from you. We got to take a break, but I'd love to hear from you, the listeners on what you think about this. Are you, are you confident that we're, that our government, that our country is taking strong enough steps? If, if in fact this variant is as dangerous and scary as we're hearing, um, send me a note, Radley, R-A-D-L-E-Y, Radley at 900CHML.com. Maybe you think, you know what, we're making a mountain out of a molehill again, and this is no big deal, so back off. Let us know that too. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900CHML. Neil, we heard something from the throne speech this week. Or was it this week? Well, whenever, whenever the throne speech, I, I lose track. We heard something in the throne speech the other day. That covers it. Um, that the federal government is now going to allow provincial governments or even municipalities to impose handgun bans to say you can put in laws that will say no handguns in your city, in your province. And it got a lot of, there was a lot of people saying, hey, this is terrific. This is, this is great that we can do this. Do you think that people who would use a handgun for a nefarious purpose, and that's generally, you know, I mean, people running around town, we know about the shootings and everything. Do you think that people running around town who might use a gun for a crime, knowing that if they get caught shooting someone, they're going to go to jail for a long, long, long time. Do you think they're worried about a gun ban, a fine or a small penalty that would come along with it? I just, I don't see the purpose of this. If you, we have laws for people who use guns in crimes. If we use, if we put, if we enforce those laws heavily, and punitively, I don't think we need these kind of things. I don't think anyone who's smuggling a gun across the border from the States to use in a crime is going, oh boy, I hope I don't get caught because I can get a ticket. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you referenced New Zealand earlier when we are talking about the pandemic. Australia is, is a great example of their gun laws and what they've done a bunch of years ago. Um, I, you know, you're right. I mean, let's be honest. The, if, if you're going to commit a crime and, and you are in that if you run with those groups of people um, that do those sorts of things, getting a gun is probably equal to us going to sport check and buying runners. I mean, it's you go in, you find the person, you know who it is, and you buy your runners. Well, if you're going to buy a gun, I mean, I one thing I'll never forget, and it was my rookie year, so I, I, we're going back a bit. Um, when I was in Toronto, and one of the afternoons, they brought in the Toronto Police Department, and they talked to us about uh, be careful who you associate with. Uh, people in crime will gravitate to athletes because it opens doors for them, and yada yada yada. 
And then he talked about their, their ability to access whatever they want within their own network. And then he posted, he put up some pictures of people that got involved with the wrong people and, and it didn't end well. And I, and I got to admit, at that point, I was, I was a little taken, taken back because you don't think about that, at least in my circles, you didn't. And when you start to realize that it really is out there and it's, it's not just uh, you know, once in a while, there are a lot of people out there that uh, are packing, if you will. Uh, and if they aren't packing on them personally, they certainly have access to them. It's scary stuff. I mean, it really is. And, you know, you can't turn on the news anymore without hearing about somebody getting shot. And so it's getting worse. So, again, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a hardliner when it comes to those sorts of things that I think you, you know, it's like, to me, drunk driving. Um, you know, you know, the fine should be huge. You should get your license. I mean, for once, first-time offender, your license should be taken away for a minimum of a year. Uh, again, the fine should be massive. And that's where you start. That's not where you graduate to. That's where you start. So, uh, again, hardliner, out of the box, uh, the penalties should be enormous if you've got them. And then, of course, if the crime is committed, uh, Neil, you're you, never yeah. going to, whether it's with a gun or drunk driving, you're never going to stop everybody from doing it because there are some people who, you know, are, are either, they don't care or they're so determined to do what they're going to do that it doesn't matter. There's no deterrence because they're going to do this anyway. Yeah, but there's, but, a, but, but Scott, but there's, there's others though. There. There's others who would think yeah, about it. Absolutely. The consequences when, when you hit somebody enough, uh, straight in the face with the, with the, what the consequence will mean to them for the rest of their life, they will think twice. And I think it's, I think it's the same with crime. Uh, you're right. Some people get drawn into it, it, and I've always referenced it as those that haven't been able to find support or a family model or, a, as silly as this may sound, a group of people like a team that supports you. Oftentimes, those are the ones that find that, silly as may sound, camaraderie or that strength in numbers, um, in the back street that, that becomes crime. So, you know, many people will tell you, and the, certainly the specials I've seen on motorcycle gangs, it's about family. And they, they, people gravitate to those gangs because it becomes their family because they've never had one. So when you get in there, you do what you have to do to, to make the family proud and to be part of the family fabric. Mm-hmm. And, and that, in many cases, that's not great stuff. It's not poaching down at the corner of baseball it's about crime and again i've always been a hardliner for stuff like this you do the crime you you need to get whacked and whacked hard if you put something in so rather than having let's say they so now the city of hamilton theoretically could put in a gun bylaw a handgun bylaw as i said off the top i don't know that any person who would be so inclined to shoot somebody with a handgun is going to be quaking in their boots because suddenly hamilton has their own little law here by law and that somehow this is going to be a big problem for them because the idea that if i shoot someone and get caught i'm going away for a long time presumably but neil my issue is why the why would we not just say we can have that deterrence and that fear in the people who might be convincible to say if you commit a crime with a handgun the minimum guaranteed absolute sentence is we start at 10 years. You get nothing. And I'm throwing out a number. Let's say five years. You can't get less than there are people who all of a sudden would pay attention. There are people who would pay attention. If you knew that there was no way around that, and that was going to hit you just like if you said, I think with drunk driving, I think we're way the penalties. They may be stiff, but they're still way too light. You get caught drunk driving. As far as I'm concerned, you should have your license taken away for the rest of your life on first offense. That will make people then pay attention. Some people will still do it, but a lot of other people who are at the bar and are not sure if they're drunk or not, they're not sure if they're over 0.08, they'll be going, well, now it's not worth it. Now the chance oh, isn't it, even worth it. Listen, Scott, you're, again, you're, you, you know, you're, I'm seeing with the choir here with you on this. And, and one thing that comes to my attention, not that I'm trying to change the subject, but we're talking about penalties and, and enforcing things is I, I ride a motorcycle, and uh, it's very different now when you ride because of people that probably have a hands-free system in their car, but they still 
are driving with their phone either in front of them on a, on their hand speaker, or they've got it up at their head. And I've I, you know, and then you see that you know if you're caught, it's a fine of two hundred and fifty dollars. Really, two hundred and fifty dollars when you you are endangering not only the you, you your passenger potentially, but all those around you, and it's two hundred and fifty bucks. I mean, again, sorry, but I'm the guy that says, you know what, I'm taking your phone away. Uh, I'm going to smash it in front of you, and it's two thousand dollars. And and the next time I catch you, you also lose your license. So, if we if we really want to take things seriously and and stop people from getting run down and in accidents unnecessarily, and stuff happens, I get it. People get in accidents without all this. Just you know, it happens. But when it could could have been avoided because someone didn't want to wait to read the text message that dinged them in the car, and they end up killing a young a young gal or young guy on the on the side of the road riding a bike. Uh, sorry, I have no patience, and I have zero tolerance for that kind of stuff. And I yeah, think we- that goes across the board, whether it's handguns. And I think you're right. It's at some point, people, someone in charge has to say, yeah, we're not doing that. Sorry, you might not like it. It might be going against the, the, the curve here, but if you're caught, you're in, you're in big crap. And this we, we have to go crap. to a commercial break here. But uh, to me, this is just the feds, the federal government passing the buck. If you oh, want to crack course, down on handguns, if you want to crack down on handguns, change the law and you be on the hook and you take the slings and arrows if people don't agree or they do agree. But passing this down to someone else, this is just saying, yeah, we don't want to deal with this. Oh, and to me, that's that's a right cop out. The buck. I mean, they're, they're, a bunch, they're a bunch of panty weight. It's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I read this story this week uh, and I'll tell you, um, it got me wondering that there was a uh, a member of the Virginia House of Delegates. He's a, a politician in Virginia. And he decided to ask Amazon to disclose what information Amazon had about him. And st- he started to find out that Amazon that they had a thousand contacts from his phone, records of exactly what part of the Quran, he's a Muslim, uh, he had listened to on December 17th, of, he asked for a specific day. He knew, it knew every search he'd ever made on search engines. And then a bunch of Reuters reporters hearing this, when this came up in a hearing, started to ask Amazon themselves and were shocked by all the stuff that apparently Amazon knew about them. And I don't think it's just Amazon. I'm sure Google has the same and I'm sure on and on and on. Does this stuff freak you out? Or are you now at the point where you say, I just expect that this is the way the world is and that, that with, with digital and searching and everything, I just expect and assume that this is what's happening. Well, first, uh, first part is in the uh, commercial break, I, I sat back and thought, geez, I'm sounding like a real hard ass tonight. <laughs> I want to, you know, get the, I feel like a principal in an old, school from 25 years ago. Bring them in for the strap, for crying out loud. You. Classes, I'm going to strap your keister. Um, and, and, and and I got the strap around the strap, but that's all. Um, I, I, it does worry me. I don't... Um, my wife, Donna, is different. She'll order stuff uh, through her phone and online. I am reluctant to put any information online whatsoever. I, I'm not on Facebook. Never have been. I never will be. I don't, as I said, buy anything via my phone um, or my computer. I, you don't put the credit card. But I think there's a a malaise out there that, as you said, I think we were getting to the point that, ah, well, you know, it's everybody's doing it again. So, oh, sure, why not? And I, I agree that I'm generally pretty private. I, if I want you to know something about me, I'll tell you. You're not going to find out about it in another way, at least hopefully not, but at least the personal. Uh, it scares the crap out of me, frankly, Scott, because the ability of so many out there, it, I almost look at it like years ago uh, when steroids became the thing. And then steroids and, and growth hormones got ahead of the curve, the testing curve. So they, you could be taking stuff, but because there were, masking agents you wouldn't know so and i feel 
like it's the same with technology. Something new comes along. Well, someone's already figured out a way to get in there to get information. So don't think because it's new that the people, companies, whomever have don't have the opportunity to get in it because they do. So yeah, I'm. Uh, it does. It scares the poop out of me. Right. I mean, a, a half of me says, you know, there are how many people in the world now? Seven billion, seven and a half billion, eight billion people, whatever it is. And five and a half billion are probably online. And so, you know, if Amazon or Google or whomever collects my data, well, they're collecting everyone else's data too. And why would they be looking at mine? There's no particular reason to look at mine. And so, you know, what do I care? They're going to be going after politicians and looking at, you know, people who are in the really in the public eye and stuff. And on the other hand, my bigger thing here isn't even necessarily with these private companies. My, my bigger issue is down the road, if governments get involved, if governments can do the same thing that, and I, I you know, I don't want to sound like I'm a, a, a you know, paranoid or whatever else, but uh, that, that to me is when it starts to get concerning when the governments can start to know what, because they have the capacity to use this in certain ways that a private company might not. Well, and, and your information is, has value no matter what it is. I mean, I had, I mean, it's a, it's a new record for me today. I had five phone calls from border security telling me that my package, uh, and I'm going to be arrested because of the contents of my package. Mm. And I need to push one five times today. And every number was different. And every number was a nine Oh five, six, three something. And so I would look at it thinking, well, it's maybe, you know, a couple buddies or whatever. They are tapping those call centers or that technology now has the ability to use our numbers to make those calls. So how are they getting them? Why do somebody sell them to them? Or are, they, are they just because this software and people are so freaking brilliant up there now that they have that ability to acquire that information with the smallest of things? I... Um, Funny, I went to a conference a few years ago, and um, this guy from the States got up and said, look, I want to talk about security. I used to work with this, this, this. Did anybody bring their computer? Someone said, sure, I have my laptop. He says, okay, can you give me your laptop, and all I need to do is turn it on for me. Don't give me the passcode. Don't give me it. Just turn it on. And this guy started going into it. He was rhyming out information. He got the password. He found a way to do it. Man, I, you know, I was, I've stood there or sat there stunned. And he said, and this is what people are doing now. And they're as good or better than I am. And they're not fit with a federal agency. They're in the underworld. So um, be cautious, everybody. Be cautious. And he was talking to students for Dama in a few staff there. But, and I think, uh, and I, I, I think of that, Scott, and I go, oh my God, I please. Just get me out of here. Yeah, it's it, it is more complicated. It is a more complicated world for sure. I, I say this uh, this this guy from Virginia, this this politician was blown away. And then, as I say, when when the Reuters reporters started looking into it, the stuff that was found that on them that they didn't know that was gathered yeah. on them, um, you know, it it, it does it 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 does make it, it makes me a little concerned. I don't know if it makes anyone else. As I say, I think a lot of people, Neil. I really believe that an awful lot of people, especially and let's be honest, um, you know, we are of a certain vintage. Uh, if you are yeah. younger and you've grown up with nothing but iPhones and smartphones and computers, uh, I'm guessing there are some people listening who are of that group who are saying you are two old guys who are just paranoid and panicking and this is just the world and no one's going to do anything bad. And maybe that's the case. Maybe it's just that we spent part of our life not with this, that this seems striking to us. Maybe for a lot of people, this is totally normal and totally okay. And you know what? I, I, I get that. Totally get that. But I remember a long time ago that uh, my mom and dad both smoked and they thought nothing of it because there was no harm. So you know, just because it's happening and the ramifications don't touch you immediately doesn't mean it's good for you and that you don't have to be careful. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. As I say, Neil Lumsden, a football star, great cup winner, manager of a great cup winning team, 
organizer of the World Cycling Championships, athletic director at university, contender on Amazing Race Canada with his daughter Kristen, father of Jesse, Olympian bobsledder and CFL star, on and on and on and on. He is with us. And uh, Neil, you know, let's go into your wheelhouse for a little bit here for a second, because fascinating situation. We've talked about it on the show this week uh, with Peng Shui, this uh, Chinese tennis player that we don't really know what's going on. And I don't want to dive into all the details of that. We've talked about that on the show. People have their opinions. But one of the real, to me, one of the interesting parts about this story is the response from other athletes because we've had some athletes who have been very vocal about this. Some athletes that maybe you would have expected to hear from have said nothing. Other athletes who have been very vocal about other human rights issues, not speaking up on this. How, if you're, if you're a pro athlete, how do you, how do you navigate this kind of thing I guess I was going to say, you know, as a humane kind of thing, but also as your brand management kind of thing, because that's what everyone's concerned about now. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I give credit to uh, WTA for doing what they did. And I was, frankly, I heard the announcement fully support pulling out the event. Um, and it cost some money, but they'll get that money back. I mean, they, they will restate. So, but I'm glad they did what they did. Uh, I think I saw the president make the announcement a bunch of days ago. Uh, you know what? It, it, it is really becomes, aside from this situation, um, anytime athletes or anyone steps into that world, it's a slippery slope because you you could be right 100% of the time, but there is such a large, uh, maybe not large, there's a group out there that regardless of what you say, if you say it's black, it's white, if it's white, it's red. Um, and, it, and it can damage you as an athlete or a corporate citizen or whomever. In, in many cases, and I've heard this more often in the last year than I had before, that people are just staying out of it. I mean, I, you know, LeBron James, I heard, at least from certain reports, took a lot of heat for not making a comment after the, the tussle he had. Uh, he was suspended the game, but he didn't. He didn't come out and say anything where he has been an, a, a guy, a person who has been very strong and, and supportive in, in many cases uh, of his opinion of what's right and what's wrong. And yet he said nothing, at least for the first couple of days. And, and I, I saw people roasting him. And I thought, okay, well, you, you've set the tone, LeBron. You, you know, you, if you've always said something, you better say something now. Um, more people are getting standing back and saying, you know what, I don't. I don't want to get into it. I have a belief, and those beliefs are my own, and I don't really want to hang it out there. And I get it. I mean, I, you, I, you know, one guy who's done a great job for the most part, and I'm not a massive social media guy, but is Tom Brady, who is, you know, he talks, anytime I hear him, he just talks about football. He doesn't get into family. He doesn't get into political. He doesn't, you know, he may have, but things that I've heard. So, I think you're going to start to see more and more high-profile people just stay away from that. Mm. Say, if you if you are an athlete, though, Neil, who does, and, and this is, I mean, you mentioned LeBron James. He's, it's an interesting case study because he has been very vocal and very strong on social media about certain human rights situations with Black Absolutely. Lives Matter and with the yeah. George Floyd situation and others. He's been a, a, a one of the leading voices in that one in the athletic community. And yet, then you look at other things with the Uyghur people or with Hong Kong or with this one and nothing. And, and I mean, I wonder if you put yourself out there on one, are you obligated to then be there for all of them? Or can you just pick and choose which ones you want to fight for? And that's okay. Well, I think everyone has that right to pick and choose and they should have that right. The problem now is, you know, it seems like those that have an opinion might not have, I mean, their, their rights are um, in question if someone doesn't agree with you. And and I think that, you know, you're. It, it's really a slippery slope, but I used that term a second ago. But, you know, if I was counseling people now, I'd say, don't talk about it. Let your actions um, serve as your voice. 
if you don't think something is right, then become part of the solution. Don't yap about it. And if more people became parts of the solution instead of adding to the problem with their voice just because they disagree and they want to be heard, um, things don't get done. So those that want to say something and then do something are the ones that I have respect for. Um, and, and I don't think there are enough of those out there. I know there are a lot, but there, there could be a whole lot more. Um, to me, that's where you got to go on this whole thing. And, and you're right, is, is LeBron James, should he be criticized for not jumping on truly a human rights issue when, you know, the Floyd situation with human rights? I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to be critical of those people because I think that uh, they're trying their best and it's easy to jump on people. I just, it's easy to kick people when they're down or when they put themselves out there. And yeah, and we, we've, we've had this discussion on this show before about, you know, probably the one person that in Canada that we hold up as the pinnacle of Canadiana would be Terry Fox. And, you know, Terry Fox probably, uh, came along at the perfect time. And look, I'm not, I'm not in any way disparaging Terry Fox. It would be impossible to do that. But if Terry Fox was along today, probably somewhere along the way, he would have said something on social media in his youth that could have been misconstrued or that someone took issue with. It's inevitable. It happens to everybody. Terry Fox, if he was around in 2021, unfairly probably would have had a lot of detractors because that's how it works now. It doesn't matter. You will say something and someone will disagree with you, even if it's pretty benign. And then you will all of a sudden be in the middle of a controversy. It's inevitable that this would have happened. And that's not saying anything bad about Terry Fox. That's just the reality of the world. Well, and, and, and then people wonder why there's such an issue with mental health in young people these days. I mean, duh. So many people are fragile. Uh, because they love, you know, they love getting liked because they think that, look at me, yeah, but if you're going to want to get likes, you're, then you've got to be able to put up with the BS. And and a lot of people have a difficult time handling that because it, they can't manage that emotion well enough. And, oh, my God, somebody doesn't like me. And, oh, they're criticized. What am I going to do? And, you know, it's the rock and a hard place. You're going to get into that world. You better be strong enough to be able to hmm. take those or, shots and still believe strongly in whatever your opinion is on whatever the topic is and move forward and not listen to detract. But most people are not. And yeah, therefore, yeah. thus the, the problems, right? It's a it's a rock and a hard place or it's that cycle that just keeps that, you know, when your computer goes down, that's the, the wheel of death. Um, and if you hear that squeaking, that's, a new dog we have, puppy that is this weekend. So I'll, I apologize. I just thought that. that was the squeaking wheel of death you were talking about well, the, could, uh, the, on your be, computer. Based on today, the way today's going, yeah, Storm is uh, a rescue dog, and he's about well, 13 weeks old, and I'm going to stop doing that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's. We got time for one more thing, and I want to get to this because um, there is a football game being played this weekend here in Hamilton, Montreal Alouettes, Toronto, uh, Toronto Alouettes. How did I say Toronto? Montreal Alouettes and Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't know where yeah. Toronto came into that one at all. Um, I'll be there. Uh, and, you know, this is um, this is kind of a big deal. And, you know, it's always a big deal in the playoffs. And people, Ticat fans always want their team to do well in the playoffs when they make it. Yeah. You have been involved in with teams uh, at high levels before. How big a deal do you think it is that the Ticats make the Grey Cup. What difference does that make in the entire Grey Cup scenario here in town if the home team somehow finds its way in? Well, there's there's no question there's pressure. I mean, I'm a big fan of Orlando Steinar as a player and what he's done. And, and I, I do, I mean, I can almost feel the pressure. I'm a season ticket holder with a buddy of mine, uh, Barry Emo, and we've been to the games. And we will, we will be there Sunday for the blackout, even though the my stuff, the, my warmest stuff is black, but I'll... I'll do layers and, and wear a black cover or, or black spray, tent or something. But, spray it, but it, 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 there's huge pressure, and I think that there's a reason that the host is doesn't – I mean, I think if you go back a long way, Scott, very few hosts have the home team playing in the game. It's rare. And there's a – you know, 
There's a reason for that. It's There's a lot more pressure, and I think Montreal coming in doesn't feel the pressure. And I and the guys in, the guys aren't going to suggest that they do. I mean, Simone Lawrence and, and uh, those players are not going to for one second show you a crack in their armor uh, emotionally or mentally. Are you kidding me? They're going to have to play the game. But deep inside, they'd love to play the Great Cup at home and win it at home. So there is that element that's in the back of their head, make no question about it. And the team itself, the organization itself, I am assuming that there is financial there are financial implications if the Ty Cats can make it into the Grey Cup for making this whole thing a much bigger deal. Well, it's been a long time. I, you know, in nineteen ninety-nine, um, ninety-eight we were in it and lost, ninety-nine we were in it and won. And we we just we just snuck in under that. Didn't want to be the first team, not Tyrecat team, that hadn't won a Great Cup in a decade. And if we hadn't done it in '99, the decade would have passed, and there would have been no championship. So we were lucky enough to to, to work through that. But that there's there's no question. Um, you know, someone said to me the other day, "Well, Bob Young deserves to to win a Great Cup," and I I, I wouldn't disagree with that from what he has done financially and his commitment to the community. But no one deserves anything. You have to earn it. And that's, and he knows that. Um, and that's how they're going to have to get it. And there's pressure that comes with it. And you know what? If you take that, if you take pressure situations and turn it into the way you approach and prepare, it becomes a strength and a positive. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for them. I, I like the way they were playing. I saw their, home game and I've seen them most of the year uh, I like the way they're playing I like the way Mazzoli's playing um, and you know if something were to happen Evans is, is there as well but uh, Mazzoli I believe is the guy for them if they're going to take it all there are early reports that we could be having snow during the game that day <laughs> who knows if that'll happen or not is that do you like you've played I mean you played in Edmonton you've played in cold um, you know the the NFL, for example, loves having their games in perfect weather, basically non-weather situations. They always put their Super Bowls in places where you're going to reduce the likelihood of any kind of weather. See, I love it. I, the more crazy weather you can have, to me, it's just another element that you throw into the game. But what, are you a guy who likes the unknown and the unpredictable in the conditions, or do you want it to be perfect so they can just be at their best? No, I, to me, it's you learn to be at your best when you – and no matter what the situation is and, and what it comes down to. And one of the things that we, uh, we believe strongly in at Edmonton, because you're right, we would be in Western finals. I mean, the, the great cup of Montreal, whether it was um, 81 or it was really cold and dismal, even though it was at the dome, but in, in Western finals, um, it could be minus 10 or it was more likely as it was to be minus 30. And we used to love the fact that someone had to come in and deal with that it was no big deal and and again it's it's about your preparation and it's about having the right people and what Hugh Campbell did and, and Norm Kimball did so well is bring people together that understood and dealt with adversity <clears throat> and um, you have to embrace it you know, there's no other way around it and I like the fact I mean what was the Grey Cup game uh, Toronto against Edmonton um, at Ivory Stadium C- crazy weather what a great game. You know, it doesn't matter. At this level, at the end of the year, uh, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. And I, and my guess is to these guys, it doesn't matter. Okay. But Neil, but 99.9% of people listening right now have never played. I want, I want you to answer the question. Honestly, you are think back to your days when you're playing in Edmonton and it is absolutely blastingly bitingly cold. I mean, what you're talking about, yeah. How much more does a tackle hurt when it's that cold? No, there's no question that the game takes on a different, if you pardon the pun, feeling and, and impact in weather like that. No question. If footing is good, and it was always very good there um, on the grass, even though it was cold, um, and that means if your footing is good, your impact is also very good because you, you can explode into people. There's no question it bothered you a little bit more, but 
you know, without sounding cliche-ish, it, it, it really is a mind over matter thing, Scott. If it's, we used to, again, joke about it. And I, the kids that I coach, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. It's about, it's, it's about being able to put aside all distractions, no matter what it is, rain, snow, cold, um, any kind of adversity, anything that's going on in your life um, that may be disruptive in the way you prepare. And just for two and a half or three hours, say, you know, screw it. Uh, it's, we're fine. And that may sound kind of silly, but it's true. And it worked. And it worked for us. And because the, the reality is not everyone's created equal. Not everyone can do that. Um, and when you can. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I absolutely agree with that. Because, you know, if, if people, if you've been out in the cold, I mean, I I absolutely hate the cold. It, it, I just, I do. I And I, maybe I'm a, just a giant wuss. I don't know. But I hate the cold. <laughs> And the and anytime I watch a game, whether it's at Lambeau Field in Green Bay or you know in Calgary or Edmonton or wherever, where it's just horrendously cold, I I I cannot think of something I would want to do less than be slammed into or even try to catch a ball when my fingers I can't even feel my fingers. I I give credit to the people, but I also think you're all a little bit touched. Well, and and listen, when you and again for for me uh, in. The year I played, there were there were no empty stadiums. There were fans were everywhere. And in Edmonton, if you can believe it, we had fifty two thousand season ticket holders. I mean, not only was it miserable for us, but think about the fans who's got to go up and and you know, the the wives and the families. And Donna was one of them, and they said they froze their ass off up there, but they had so much fun. Of course, we won, and that's always more fun to win. But this, the fan has to sit there and they prepare. You know, Edmonton. I almost slipped. The Edmonton, uh, what are they called? Elk fans. In my day, it was not Elks, but prepared and came and were ready to go as just as we were ready to go. And they loved it. Yeah, but nobody was hitting them. Nobody was, nobody was crashing into them or causing them to fall on their elbows on the ground. You worry about all that after Scott. You really do. And, and listen, it does take a toll. Make no mistake about it, but, um, it's worth it. I mean, that's what you sign up for. It's that simple. There you go. Um, uh, kudos to you guys for doing it. I, I will, uh, w- when the day comes that, uh, that I return to my physical prowess and sign as a free agent <laughs> with a football team somewhere, it'll be in a warm weather climate. I assure you. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to be there ch- uh, chilling out, uh, at Tim Hortons field on Sunday, uh, wanting and supporting our team to get into the great cup. Um, cause I'm not convinced Toronto's that good. So I, it, it's, team that comes out of this game Sunday, I believe will be in the great Neil Lumsden, always love having you on. Thanks for taking time to do this today. Oh, it's awesome, Scott. Thanks, as always. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.